Hello, you are listening to a podcast version of a recent message from Freedom Church's Sunday service. Freedom Church is a brand new church plant in Buckeye, Arizona. We meet weekly at Odyssey Preparatory Academy on Apache Road for services every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. If you're ever in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. My name is Andrew Cabani, and I'm the lead pastor of Freedom Church, and I just wanted to personally thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our podcasts If you have a prayer request or want to make a decision for Christ after listening to our podcast, please, please, please contact us via the prayer request page on our website, freedomchurchaz.com. Enjoy and God bless. Amen. Good morning. Yet again, welcome in. Really good to have Noah and Elsa back with us this morning. Um, Good worship this morning. Glad you guys could be here with us. We are in week four of our five-week series where we are talking about the vision behind Freedom Church. And, you know, we got the butterflies to commemorate it. Uh, We're in performance season at Odyssey. We're very thankful for uh, them allowing us to meet here. But sometimes it means butterflies above the preacher's head. So, um, We're excited to be doing this. The vision behind, this doesn't mean anything for the vision behind Freedom Church, though. The people who are online, they're like, just scale the camera up just a little bit. I can't see. Um, But uh, the the, the butterflies don't mean anything with the vision. But I think, you know, that's always good to have butterflies. Uh, But we are in week four of a five-week series that we're calling Freedom Values, where we're talking about the vision behind Freedom Church. Each week, we've been unveiling One of what we are, again, calling our freedom values, which are essentially five areas that in totality make up the entirety of the vision behind Freedom Church. And when you really boil all five of those freedom values down, you make it into like one succinct statement. It's the thing you hear me say every time. It's some of the first words that come out of my mouth when I greet you each and every week, which is, we are a growing church serving a growing community. If you boil all down the freedom values, all five of them down, that's what comes out at the very end. A growing church serving a growing community. A church based off of service and community. It's the two major themes that we have. And to this point, In our first three freedom values that we've talked about, we've talked about service and the three different reasons that we serve our community. We serve to meet a need, to help. We serve to glorify God in heaven, uh, to, to let our light shine amongst men. And last week we talked about kind of our core value, which is to serve to make Jesus known in our community. This week we get to move on to Um, the aspect of community with our fourth freedom value, which is build community. We have our fourth little banner up there. Always excited to unveil a new banner every week. Uh, Build community. Before we dig too deep into what it means to build community within a church, just generally and in this church specifically, I'd like to stop and say, Go Suns. Um, that's what I would like to stop and say is go Suns. Being part of a community means that you have to recognize when there's a big game happening for the home team and you got to get behind it and everybody get together. I will say that as I've gone through the process of meeting people, meeting other church planters, as we've kind of done all of our beginning stages, so to speak, of this, I've noticed that many, many church planters do not plant the church 
in the area that they grew up in or live in. They're, many of them are moving across the country to plant a church in a different area than wherever they're from. Uh, a lot of people who are coming over to Phoenix, a part of our network here in Phoenix, are people who, from the Midwest, from the South, all over the place, they came into the Phoenix area to plant a church. And there are not many times where I'm jealous of them because I am, praise God, that we are starting a church literally in our backyard. Uh, God has worked all of that out, um, and I'm thankful that I don't, there's a guy that's like trudging 18 inches of snow up in North Dakota who's never seen snow before he was doing it. That's like not a life that Jesus has called me to. Um, so that's just not what's happening. But uh, I'm never, I'm not really jealous of those guys other than when it comes to this aspect of supporting the local teams in the area. Like I get to see these guys come into their churches and they're like, yeah, go sons, go sons. And let's, let's, let's have a watch party and help bring the community together. They get to be these like Johnny come latelys to being a, like a Suns fan. And they don't have to be me who's lived here my whole life and had to endure the literal torment of being a Suns fan for the entirety of my life. And so I am very jealous when you get to just be coming in like, yeah, go Suns, cool. And it doesn't have to like be something that you've been dreading for the last 48 hours of, of what's happening this afternoon. And so uh, to be the uh, oldest, most successful franchise to never win a championship, all the playoff failures, all the bad breaks, it takes a toll on somebody. Uh, I only bring that, uh, all these Johnny-come-lately guys, out of here, out of here. I don't, you don't need to be a part. Don't, I don't want to hear that. No, I'm just kidding. We don't gatekeep in Suns fandom in the Valley. Um, I bring all that up to bring this. I want to bring it back to building community. And just speaking of the Suns, most people, the Phoenix Suns are very... Uh, have been a very uh, good franchise, successful franchise. They have the fourth most wins out of any franchise in the history of the NBA. And they've had many years, decades of long sustained success. But most recently, they've been awful, putrid, um, horrible uh, for a good decade long. And then most, most recently, the last three years, they've been a contender and that's been exciting. But most people point to the Suns' most recent turnaround to a day that was almost exactly three years from today, which is when they hired their uh, new coach, their current coach. His name is Monty Williams. Um, and that was the day they hired him. And that's basically where they went from like 19 wins before to like now they're like championship contenders. And uh, as this week, as I was meditating and praying and trying to think of building community, building something up from the ground level, um, and also <laughs> wallowing in my shame of that last loss with the sons and just struggling with all of it. As I was doing all those things, I was brought back to Monty Williams' introductory press conference. And so sort of I'll point it together. God helped me to get through a tough time in my life uh, as, a, as, a, as a Suns fan. I'll stop beating a dead horse with it. But uh, yeah, it's the refs. It's all the refs' fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, it brought me back to his introductory press conference, and I felt like he said a couple of things when he was just starting off, which we're just starting off this church. We're just starting to build something. And he said a few things, and obviously at an introductory press conference when you're a coach, you get lots of questions about, like, what are you going to do different? What's going to be your approach? How are you going to bring everybody together? How are you going to run? What's your system going to look like? And he said three things that really stuck out to me. He said that, number one, their approach, his approach, his approach, 
was not going to be stagnant. It was going to be based on the personnel that he had. Meaning, if he had players that, like, if he didn't have, like, a dominant big man, he wasn't going to run an offense that meant that you had to throw the dominant big man. They were going to run more of a fast-paced offense. So he wasn't going to have a system that the players, the people, had to convert to. He was going to convert his system to whatever fit the people as they came, whatever their strengths were, whatever they could whatever he could do to make their strengths be amplified, right? And as we talk about building community from within a church, I don't know that I will ever be able to say, this is the way we do it at this church. Like, this is our vision that we're talking about, but I'm never gonna be so stagnant to say, oh, we don't do that here. That's just not me. That's not my personality. Like, as people come in and as they have different strengths, different relationships that we make, different personalities that they come through, people's different ways of doing things, we always want to be able to mold, change, adapt, so that we're allowing people to shine, going back to glorify, shine their light, whatever that color of light looks like, right? And so that was one thing. The second thing that he said is that I want to, he wanted to help the team, quote, embrace the work, embrace the work that it takes to become something successful. Embrace the work. It's hard work to go from, well, in their case, well, in our case as well, nothing to something successful. It's hard work that it takes to do that. And while he was speaking mostly of like playing the right way and not cutting corners and those types of things, um, it really resonates with me in the idea of like there's, it takes work to build up a thriving community within a church. And instead of looking at the work that it takes, the sweat equity that it takes, and looking at it that as a hindrance, I want to I lean into it. I want to lean into the work, and I want to make relationships with people while we work. You know, it ends up taking us a whole lot longer on Saturday nights to put stuff up the more people that are here. That doesn't make any sense, right? The more people that show up on a Saturday night to put things up. And I don't want to stop people from showing up on a Saturday night to put things up. And the more people that stay after church to help take things down, the longer it takes. And again, I'm not trying to say it doesn't, but that's because there's conversations that are happening. We're leaning into the work that it takes to do some of these things. And that's a good, good thing. Because while we're working together, we're getting to know each other, we're laughing together, we're building relationships. And the third thing he says, he said is, it all counts. It all counts. And again, he was speaking of like showing up on time for a meeting. It counts. You know, making sure you're doing your assignment as a player. It all counts. It's not just like scoring 50 points in a game because not everybody's going to score 50 points in a game. Not every time I get up here am I going to have a perfect game-winning shot. Most of the times it's going to be clanking off the top of the backboard. Rain man, like it's going to be that type of situation. But it all counts, and that really speaks to, and we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, that there's so many things that you can do to be part of the building of a community within a church. And whether you're leading a Bible study or helping with kids or helping set up, take down, or everything in between, it all counts towards the success of the church as a whole. So Scripture is literally littered with, with the idea of building community together. It's 
all over the scripture. God wants us to come together as a community to, to teach the word of God and to live together helping one another. Uh, much of what scripture tells us and when we talk about community revolves around the idea of unity. I have a few scriptures for you. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other and let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you all are one in Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's that aspect. Like the, I could go on and on. Like I could just rat-a-tat-tat dozens and dozens of scriptures, God's holy word, his message to his people, that the reason that we have churches is to bring people together. And so when you look at like the landscape of our world in the year 2022, and you realize how much churches are breaking people apart, it just, it doesn't make sense. It's a math equation that's unbalanced, right? It doesn't make any sense of what God called us to be all united under Jesus Christ, and that's, that's a huge part of community, is to bring us all together. But other scriptures, when talking about community, not just, not just, oh, I had one more note about bringing us all together. The idea here is that as Christians, we are trying to be Christ-like. That's literally what the word means. So we should all have sort of be united in that above all other things that make us different, right? The other thing that scripture talks a lot about when we're talking about building a community is how to deal with people. Um, did you know that dealing with people is hard? Like, uh, like not, not people, right? Not people. We're all, we just all get along all the time. Like it's, it's no problem. Everything, we have this utopian society and we're all just kind of making our way and everybody's happy all the time, right? It's not hard to deal with what, people? But yeah, there's a lot. It's difficult to deal with people. When we talk about, um, when we talk about our freedom values and we talk about the vision, um, to this point, we've talked about service. And service is a very personal thing, right? You get to decide to individually serve to help and to glorify and to make Jesus known. You get to make that decision. It doesn't really depend on anyone else to do that. You get to decide to go meet a need, to go glorify God in your own serve and let your light shine, whatever color it is, to, to show Jesus off to somebody. We want to equip you for all of those things, but you get to individually decide. And so your decision to go and serve somebody has nothing to do with me. In that way, those three values are very much like baseball. It's a very sports-centric sermon thus far, but it's very much like baseball, right? We all individually get to take our at-bats in what we're doing, and then the hope is that collectively our at-bats generate enough success for the success of the church as a whole, right? Service is a very individual thing, whereas community is much more like basketball. We have to feed off of each other, you're moving here, I need to move over here. You needed me to help for you up over here. I'm gonna try to set a pick here so you can go over here. We have to feed off of each other. And if there's one person that's out there that's not a part of the community, it very much shows out on the court and we all sort of fall apart. It's much like 
basketball in that way because it depends on working well with other people. So when somebody isn't where they're supposed to be to help you when you need it, someone missed their assignment on defense, so to speak, we have to look to scriptures like Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 I have for you here where it says, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others, right? When someone isn't giving the same effort that you feel like they should, right? Like, you're not working as hard as I'm working. If you've ever played a sport like basketball, soccer is very much this way, um, where you're dependent on each other. And you can tell that one person isn't giving the same effort that is needed. They're not meeting your level of effort in that. It can be very difficult, but when that happens within a church, we have to look to scriptures like 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 out of the NIV. It says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everybody. And guys, we have to remind ourselves of these things. It does not come, this is not stuff that comes naturally to us. When we are dealing with each other, with, with people, someone is going to be hard to be united with. It's going to happen, and it's probably going to be many different someones, right? And, but the idea is that when someone is being difficult, we are all there to help and encourage and lift up. So that the next time that someone is being difficult, like me, like the other person can, can now have their turn to pick me up and to help me along in that process. This is not stuff that comes natural to us. It's why God wrote it down in his word. And he was like, I need you to remember these things thousands of years later because it's not easy to deal with people. We all have different things going on in our lives. We all have different backgrounds that we come from. And the words that we speak to one person where we think that it's no big deal could mean other things to another person who it is a big deal to. And again, it's just about the idea of now's your time for me to help you because in a couple of weeks, I'm going to need your help to be able to go through the next time, right? So that's where we are. So for some application of this this morning, if you have your Bibles, please open them up to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And as you're turning there, some context, again, I always like to give context to the scripture. We talked about this last week. Some context for what we're doing here is that the writer of Hebrews is about to encourage us with the scripture we're about to read to build a thriving community with one another. And it's for a very specific reason. It's actually like a survival technique is the way that the, the author of the book of Hebrews. We're going to pick it up in verse 24, but I'm going to read verse 23 for you here for real quick. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. And the way that we do that is by building community. How we hold tightly to the hope that we affirm is by building community. Living in a sinful world while serving a sinless God is not by any stretch easy. And in order to be able to do that, to get through, we have to build community with one another so that we can have a chance to pull through. All right, so we are going to pick it up in verse 24. Will you stand with me this morning in reverence for the word of God as we read our portion of scripture this morning? Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24, says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good service. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, 
especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. You may be seated. Three things that we take away from that particular scripture, that's our home-based scripture, for how we are approaching, how in Freedom Church, we are approaching building community. Three different things. I put up two, but it's actually three. I don't know what's wrong with my fingers this morning. Brain's got to got to get there. Uh, three different things that we get there, and I, I emphasize them while we, read, while we read them, but it says to, you can go through, if you have your, this is why hardbound Bibles are good sometimes, but if you have a highlight, you can highlight motivate. It says, think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and service. Number two is, do not neglect the meeting together, meet. And number three is, encourage one another. Motivate, meet, Encourage. That is our way of building community in Freedom Church. Let's talk about all three of those. Number one, motivate. <clears throat> motivate. Again, it says, let us think of ways. The scripture says, let us think of ways. And the key there is the plural ways, not the way. Ways. Multiple ways to motivate each other, as in there are many different ways to motivate each other, as in there are many different roles that you can play within a church to motivate each other to acts of love and good works. The writer of Hebrews is essentially giving us a commandment of thinking of a way that works best for you to be able to do that. The idea here is that when building a community, Everyone has a job to do. Every person has a job to do. This is the same thing that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he talks about the body of Christ, speaking of the church as a body of Christ. And there are hands and there are feet and there are all kinds of different, unique eyes that, are, that are, have specific jobs within the body of Christ. And the, the hand doesn't need to act like it wants to be a foot and the foot doesn't need to act like it needs, wants to be an eye. We all have very specific jobs, and he ends up saying in verse 27 of chapter 12, all of you, speaking of the church, together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. It's the same idea in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, when he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. What a beautiful way of putting that from his great variety of spiritual gifts, to be able to see God's variety, almost like it's like a, like a spice rack of all the spiritual gifts that God has available. God has given each of you a specific gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. There's a job for everyone when it comes to building out the church. That is especially the case when you're in a situation like we are in, right? When we are a mobile church, there's lots to do within the church, and there is definitely a job for any and all that want to come and be a part of it, whether it's helping set up takedown, again, kids ministry, taking on a position of leadership. But even if you're not doing any of those specific things, even if you wouldn't say, I have a specific job at Freedom Church, even as you get up and you come and you've committed to coming to church and being here each week, even if you haven't necessarily committed to a specific role within the church, like I just mentioned, many of them, we all still have a job to be doing. Even if you don't have a specific role 
to be doing. What do I mean by that? Well, if you don't have a specific role, your role is to be a smiling face to somebody as they walk in the door for the first time. Engage with somebody as they get to come to Freedom Church for the first time, have questions with it, help them understand where to go, help them to find the kids area that's out there, right? Help them to get their, their kids checked in. Pray for them during service that God would allow this bumbling guy up here to be able to speak to them truth and light and power into their life through the word of God, right? And specifically, and you've heard me talk about this a lot, altar time. We give time for altar time every single week. And we all have a job to do during altar time. For some, for some, it's time for them to do something, to make a decision, to have some time to work on their spiritual life with God, an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to teach them during service and then for them to react to that teaching and make a decision based on it. But that doesn't mean that that's way for everybody. Like, not everybody needs to have some of that time every single week. So if it's not your time, you still have a job to do, to be praying for the person whose time it is. Because when it's our time at altar time to walk the aisle and come ask Jesus to be in their life, to be their Lord and Savior, whenever that day is for that person, there's so many things that's trying to keep that person from doing it. There's the, there's the feelings of like insecurities and who's looking at me and is this real? Am I really feeling that? Am I really hearing from God? And so all of us who it's not our time during altar time should be praying for that person during that time. Whoever that person is, God, break all those things down. Let it just be, let them hear from you specifically today. We should all be doing something actively during altar time. Again, we all have a job to do, whether it's a specific job like taking down pipe or drape or plugging in XLR cords or whatever it is, being with the kids, but we all have a job to do. There are many different ways to motivate each other. That's the other part of it. That's the other part of motivate is the idea of motivating. We read it out of the New Living Translation and the word is motivate. The uh, New King James Version says to stir up stir up. The original King James Version, the word is provoke. It's all the same Greek word, which I've been working on this all week. I nailed it earlier today when I was showing Kat, but I'm going to mess it up right now. Paraxmas. Ah, messed it up. Hang on. Paraxusmas. There it is. Paraxusmas is the Greek word that we're using here, and that's to incite. It's to incite. It's to motivate each other. It's to stir something up in that other person. What an awesome way to think about our service within the church. Oftentimes when we have something to do within a church, when we come and we know that we have to do whatever it is that we have to do that day, we think of it like, okay, God, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to be a good person. So I'm going to go, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do the thing that I know I can do. And it's, it's my service, and it's like a more of a personal thing between you and God. And other times we think of it, we think of it just as like, I have to, if I don't do this, nobody else is going to do it. No one else will, will want to do it. If I don't show up to do it, nobody else can do it. When, when God's telling us here in Hebrews that no, your service isn't about you. It's, it's about somebody else seeing you serve and wanting to serve alongside you. 
being motivated, being incited by what you're doing, being excited by your work, by seeing you in action, that helps other people to be like, I want to be a part of that too. I want to feel the same feelings that you're feeling because you're working. I want to work alongside you. Our work in the church is not for us. It's to allow each other to incite each other and motivate us to more acts of love and godliness, right? That's what it means to motivate each other. Additionally, and this is very much less a thus says the Lord. This is not a thus says the Lord type of thing. This is more of a, I've been doing ministry for a lot of years, and this is just what I've seen in ministry. The people who are more engaged, the people who are invested, the people who are fulfilled in a church are the ones that have found a job to do and do it faithfully. Because you just feel invested in what you're doing. You feel good about what you're doing. That's just sort of how our psychology is built. Again, it's not really a thus says the Lord type of thing. I'm not going to give you scripture and verse on it. It's just, I've been in ministry for a long time, and the people who fall away from church, who don't feel connected to church, who are, who are like, I don't like that church because they don't talk to me type of thing, are usually the people who've decided they're, they're just going to kind of come and go, and they're not going to engage themselves in the work that is done within building up the community of the church. That's one. Motivate. Number two, meet. Meet. This one's pretty simple, right? Got to get together. Got to be together. Meet and worship together. It's hard to be a part of a community when you're isolated. This was, this is the very tragedy of COVID that we've had to deal with over the last two years, right? It's the idea of isolating people away from each other and very, in so many churches, including this one, trying to find ways to still meet, to, to be together, to do this aspect of community while having to be so far apart, right? But meeting is absolutely important. We are told by our creator that it's important for us to meet and to be together. It's a really, really important thing. Now, this particular aspect of building community, the idea of meeting together, to being together every week, typically falls into, I'm be real careful the way that I approach this, because there's an M word that rolls around churches all over the place. That's not meet, it's membership to a church. And a lot of churches get hung up on membership, what that looks like to be a quote-unquote member of a church. And there are a lot of churches that hurt a lot of people by the idea of membership. I was sharing some of this with Heidi and the crew that seems to always be around about what we were talking about in terms of membership. And Heidi reminded me of something that I knew a long time ago, but just in our dealings, there, was a, there were churches that in order to be a member, you also had to like submit your tax returns so that you could be billed for your tithe. And those are, whew, that's you're getting into things that are just hurting people when you're talking about membership. And, and when we talk about membership, what I will tell you on the front end, as I spoke of when I was talking about Coach Monty, um, I don't know what it looks like. At this moment, I can't tell you, we're 17 weeks into this, I have no idea what membership specifically looks like at Freedom Church. And we don't have anything official right now that we're going to talk about, but it's also not gonna be something that we're gonna allow people to get hung up on either, right? 
The only thing I will tell you that at this point, like the, again, we're talking about vision, the vision behind membership with Freedom Church is really all on you guys. It's all on decisions that you get to make personally. It hasn't have anything to do with me. There ain't no like blood signing, Rumpelstiltskin, nobody smart but me uh, contracts that you have to sign to, to be a part of Freedom Church. Some of our Shrek fans got that one, but uh, others. Um, we're not talking about contracts. It's all, it's all on you, but I'll give you sort of the framework of what membership means to us at this point. And it could change. Things can mold. I was listening to a podcast this week about this particular topic. And church planters, they're five years in. They're still trying to figure out what their membership plan looks like. And then we may never get to that point. But there, we do have like kind of an overview that, again, I want to put out as we're talking about the vision. The idea is putting the glasses on what God has given us a vision for. Make, see some of the specifics behind it. And so membership at Freedom Church at this point is based off of three things. Decide, support, act. Those are the three things that membership is based off of. And again, you could do all three of these things or two out of three of these things or none out of three of these things or one out of three of these things. I really wouldn't know either way if you just did all of these things. But decide... Decide is a two-pronged approach. Decide means have a decision for Christ. I mean, we are a Christ-following church. So if you want to call yourself a member of Freedom Church, you have to be a Christ follower as well. That's just sort of how it goes. And we'd love to see you baptized. That doesn't mean that you need to be baptized here in this church. But if you've been, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've been baptized yourself, that's check, check one right there. But if you want to be baptized, we want to encourage you to do so. We mentioned it last week. We have our first baptism service here coming very soon, and we're very excited about it. Um, so let me know if you want to be baptized. We can definitely arrange for that. But that's the first part. But also decide. The other portion of decide is that you have to make the decision to decide that this stuff, the vision, is something that you want to get behind. To make this, that's why we're doing this, right? Is to, to give us an opportunity to, as we're in this very early stages, to say, This is what our vision is about. And you individually have to decide, That's what I want to be about. The, vi- the vibes check out. That's the vibes that I want to be a part of when it comes to being a church. And you have to individually decide that you want to be a part of that. The second thing is to support. Support, again, has multiple aspects. To it. Can you see why this is difficult to kind of just get it all perfect, right? Because support has multiple aspects to it. It means to support me, as I'm going to be selfish about it, you have to support me as a pastor, as the pastor and leader of this church. You need to get behind me and my wife and my family and pray for us, support us, be there for us when we need it, as we're going to be there for you, right? As we want to be able to encourage you, each, not just us, the lead team, each and every individual one of us, to be able to support one another, praying for them, being there for them, helping them when we can, doing everything we can to support one another. The other part of that is giving, supporting each other, supporting Freedom Church by giving. Now, you will never hear me stand up here and pound the pulpit for money. That's just not, the, that's not my style. It's not anything that I've ever been about. We don't pass a plate in this church, we got gaps that we're still building out. Our church, we got gaps. Can you imagine how funny it would be if we like made you walk across aisles to pass a plate? I've been in churches that have done that before. It's hilarious. Um, but we don't pass a plate. We never will. We have an offering box in the back. If you decide that you're a member of this church, then you should give towards the church. And we're talking a little bit about that here in just a moment. But it's never going to be on. It's never going to be me to be like you need to give. 
when we think about giving, we think about it very much, again, as an individual thing. This is you and God and your decision about what you're going to give to support the ministry based off of what God and his word has told you. There are really two reasons in the word of God to give to a church, to give to help, right? There's two reasons. And again, they're both about you. Number one is, the Bible says that if it's, there's so many different, I'll give you an, an uh, example here from scripture, but there are so many different scriptures. It's the idea of what's called first fruits. It's the ability for God to bless you financially is in your giving. It's the idea that you give God a portion off the top of what you've given back to God, because God's blessed you with all of it in the first place, right? And you be able to give off the top a blessing that God has given you, you give that back to God in whatever form that looks like. And then that gives God the ability to bless the rest of it. Sometimes we mess up with this because we think of our giving to the church in a way of like, if I have some left over, and guys, I get it, believe me, I get it. Three kids, one income for many, many, many years. This has not always been a perfect thing, but we get into this habit of like, okay, if there's, if there's some left over, that'll be my tithe. But the problem there is that if there's only that much left over, there's nothing left for God to bless the rest of the way. And so you give it off the top so that God can bless the rest of it. A good portion of scripture for that is Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and the vats will overflow with new wine. It's that idea of continuing to bless you more and more and more. There's nothing that I have seen God be more faithful in than this particular aspect of giving. There's been so many times, there were some dark, the dark times for the Cabani family. When, again, three kids, one income, serving, <laughs> working, delivering pizzas on the side. Like there were some dark days um, in the Cabani household. And there's nothing that I've ever seen God be more faithful for than when I was able to say, I'm gonna do it this time. Like last time I waited, last time I waited to the end of whatever was left over to give and it didn't make a difference for us. We still ended up in the negative the next time. Or the time before that, I just didn't give it all because I wanted to, but then this bill came up and this bill came up and this bill came up and we're still struggling. Here we are a month later, we're still struggling. But there's nothing in my experience, this is just Andrew talking to his friends about how God has worked in his life. There's nothing that I've seen God be more faithful on than when I say, I'm going to do it this time. It may not work out in my head because I'm a very analytical one, two, three equals, you know, whatever. Two plus two equals four. That's not God math necessarily, but there's nothing I've seen him be more faithful for than when I've given it off the top and he's had the opportunity to bless it in the back end. But I understand how difficult that particular thing is. But again, it's not for us. It's for you. It's your opportunity. The second thing, the second thing is um, just a little more general. And you can think of this as just in any walk of life. Is there anything, anything in this world that you're invested in that you haven't paid for yourself? Is there anything in this world that you are personally invested in that you haven't put your own money towards yourself? And I'll, I'll use a couple of examples about this. Uh, my freshman year at ASU, whoo, many of you can relate to this. I was on campus. I worked really hard to get a scholarship in high school. Freshman year, I'm on campus. I'm also working full time at that point because scholarship money goes out real fast, right? But there was nothing that I saw more of there than a whole bunch of kids that were on mommy and daddy's payroll that weren't paying for a single cent 
of what they were doing there at university. And guess how many of those people showed up after the first week of class? Like very little of them, right? None of them really cared. They showed up at the first day of class. They showed up at the midterm. They showed up at the final. They got their D minus and they moved on to the next class because they didn't care, because they weren't invested in it, because they didn't ha it didn't come out of their pockets. There was no sacrifice that they had to make. Same thing for like our, our uh, baseball clinic that we had. We had to continue to move the, that's a blessing by God. We had to continue to move the max out. Started at 99, we filled that up in like a week. We went up to 125, we moved that up a couple days later. 150, 175, 200. We ended up moving the max all the way up to 250 and we didn't move it past then because we kept getting people to sign up, but we knew. We knew this from history from the last time that they did it, but we knew this, that we knew, we only had 200 shirts, by the way, those white shirts, we only had 200 of them. We had 250 people who signed up. We went and grabbed like the old ones that said 2019 on them. Like if everybody shows up, somebody's gonna get a shirt. If I have to take it off my back, I'll give you somebody a shirt, right? We only had 200 shirts, but we knew that we were gonna get less than 250 people. We had 175 kids show up. And we're very thankful for that. But what it talks about that particular principle, it was a free clinic. You can go and sign up, but you don't have to be invested in it. It's just, it is what it is. If it's, if it's there and everything's perfect, I'll go. That's a lot of ways people treat church. But when you give to something, again, this is a very individual thing with you, it allows you to be invested in what's happening. You wanna be there, you wanna be a part of it. That's just a very natural thing. Now, last thing I'll say about giving. We are so blessed as a church plant. There are individuals, many of them watching us online, that we wanna stop down and we wanna thank, and I get choked up when I think about it, but there are individuals across this country who have committed to supporting Freedom Church. Not just like individual people, households that aren't a part of any network, aren't a part of any church. They just said, we recognize what you're doing in Buckeye and we wanna support the kingdom in Buckeye. And so we're, we're gonna be doing it. And they did it faithfully, not only today, but they did it faithfully for all 18 months that we were just doing online services. And they continued faithfully to support Freedom Church. And between that and the SEND network, the network that we're a part of, and our sending church in Northport, Alabama, we don't have to worry about making rent every month. Like when you give to Freedom Church, you don't have to be like, I have to give or else like Andrew's gonna hike up the air conditioning because we won't be able to perform that bill or the lights are gonna all of a sudden come out or they're gonna kick us out of here. We are so thankful that we don't have to worry about that stuff. Right now, obviously at some point we wanna be a self-sustaining church, but again, you, we don't have to think about any of that. When you give, it just gets to be your personal thing with God to, to test him because he says to test him when it comes to those blessings, to allow him to bless your life and to allow you to be more invested in what's happening in the church, all right? So going back to what we were talking about there, the three things that are our membership, our um, decide, support, and the last one is act. Get to work, like find something to do and start doing it. And, and if you want something to do, I can help you find something to do, but but act, actually jump into it and just go two feet in and just start working. That's how membership works at, at uh, Freedom Church right now. We don't have a class or a contract or any of that kind of stuff. And if you don't agree with all three of those things, that's cool. Talk to me. Let's change it. Let's change it right now. Like, I, it's not like this, this like in stone thing, but that's the approach that we're taking as far as membership goes at Freedom Church. All right. So we encourage one another. Uh, excuse me, I just, <laughs> I just gave you the last one. We motivate each other, we meet together, and the last one is to encourage one another. Noah, you can start to make your way up here as we break this down.
this one is my favorite one about being in a church. This is my favorite one and, and a huge reason why we decided to start Freedom Church. We want to celebrate with each other. We want to do life together with other people who love Jesus as much as we do and see what we're trying to do in the community. And we want to do life together. We want to celebrate with people. We want to celebrate victories. We want to go to baseball games and graduation ceremonies and give, give balloons and high fives and, and smiles and, and be there to support each other. We want to go bowling on Saturday nights while they're dancing around like fools because I know there's going to be some dancing around like fools. Be careful, ladies. Some of these girls got, they're quick with the phones. You better be careful if there's a phone out, it might end up on the internet. Um, we want to go celebrate with each other. We want to have fun. We want to encourage one another. We want to celebrate babies coming into the world. We want to celebrate marriages that are happening. We want to celebrate doing life together, being together, smiles on faces. On the, on the other side of that, we want to get down in the depths with people when they're hurting. Encouragement comes on both sides, right? Encouragement is needed to celebrate with one another, but encouragement is needed when there's loss in a life, whether that's physical loss, whether that's a job loss, financial loss, a health situation. We want to get down in the dirt and be there to encourage you when that happens. All of that comes into encouraging one another to help each other no matter what life looks like, right? And as we close this morning, we have a lot to be encouraged about, right? Not only has God like moved some things around, we have new people who have come every week that, that are just kind of figuring out Freedom Church and we're getting to do this and we're super excited, but we always have the encouragement that our God came down from heaven got up on a cross for us, the way that we are. Like, I know me, I'm not worth that, right? We all have our hard things that we deal with, our past that we've had to get through. And knowing all of that, Romans tells us that at just the right time, knowing all of your backstory, Jesus got on a cross and died. We have so much to be encouraged about. That's why it's an aspect of building community. We should be encouraging each other when we meet together to be reminded of no matter what's happening in this world, no matter if it's a victory that we wanna celebrate or a depth that we wanna be there for, we always have the ability to be encouraged because our God died on a cross to give us a hope and a salvation. And all we have to do is put our faith in Him Say, come into my life, be the Lord of my life. We get to go to heaven someday. He goes to prepare a place for us. This, this time on earth right now, it's just a camping trip. We get to roll up the duffel bag, fold up the tent, get those little wiry things that plug together and snap you in the face when you're not looking. Roll those up, put it all together. Then we get to go home one day when we leave this earth because our God came down and made a way for us to do it. We can have so much to be encouraged about this morning. We stand with me as we close and pray. Again, as I said earlier, we, we open up the altars during this time and there's, there's spiritual work to be done. For some of us, we need to put our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to say, thank you for making a way. I wanna take the way. I wanna take 
that way to salvation. And if that's you this morning, I encourage you that as I step off to the side, come down, talk to me. I'd love to pray with you and for you. Others, you just may be dealing with things, other things. You know, we have so much to, to, that goes on in this world that we need prayer for, that we need support, right, for. We, we'd love to have you down. Let us know how we can pray for you. For others, you may just want to come down to this altar, this makeshift altar, where God is right now, and you just want to pray to yourself. That's fine as well. But we want to open up these altars and give you the opportunity to do just that as Noah sings. I'm going to pray, and then we'll go into that. Father, thank you. Thank you for being a good God. Thank you for no matter what's happening in this world and around us, that we have so much to be encouraged about. That, that the writer of Hebrews is able to just straight up say, encourage one another. Well, what if we don't have anything to be encouraged about? And his response is, you always have something to be encouraged about because Jesus Christ died and rose again for you. And we have to help each other remember that as we build this community. And Father, so I ask if there's anybody in this room that wants to come to know you in a personal way, Father, help them take away all of the things that are staying against them doing that and come down, ask you to be the Lord of their life. Whatever it is, Father, I, we give you every need during this time in Jesus' name.